excited to be back. I'm thankful. I uh, just got back myself from Colorado with my wife, and so kind of excited to say that. Uh, to, was glad to be gone because it wasn't 100 degrees where I was, but also was glad to get back. It's something about sleeping in your own bed, being around the relationships of the people you know. And start us off this way and say this, relationships. Um, relationships have existed before time began. It's kind of a weird thought to think about, but let me explain it this way. It is a character trait of our God that he is relational. And if it's a character trait of our God that he's relational, then there has to have been relationships that God was in before us, or he couldn't be relational. He would have discovered relationships with us, like most of us do. You were born into this world, and you had to learn how to do relationships. God has been doing relationships for eternity. God has existed from eternity. He's existed as one God in three, three gods in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It's not three roles like I serve. Sometimes I'm a father and sometimes I'm a, a husband. Sometimes I'm a pastor. Sometimes I'm a friend. Those are roles. I'm still just one person. Your God is one person but three distinct persons, and that's mind-blowing. We could stop and sit down and worship, and that would be enough. But I tell you all that to say this, because he's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, he's been in relationship as God the Father with God the Son and God the Spirit for eternity. Relationships existed long before he created us. And in that relationship, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have, have shared in a perfect relationship. Perfect joy, perfect love was shared between them forever. Which means this, when he created us, when you and I were, were being created, he didn't create us to get joy from us. Because he already had it. He already had perfect joy and love going on in the relationship that existed between God the Father. If you're a creator, in other words, if you like to make meals, or if you're like an artist, you love to paint, or if you love to write songs, or you love to write just words in, in a creative way, most of the reasons that you create and I create is because we get joy from it, or we love to do it to give other people joy. Hear this about your God. He created to give you his joy. It's a completely different deal. The joy in the relationship that he had between God the Father, God the Son, and the Spirit, he created us to give, to share his joy with us. The crazy thing about that is that also that joy and love was also meant to be shared like in these relationships here between God's people as we learn not just what joy is because literally hear this, God is our joy. He didn't just give it to us. He's with us and is our joy. He isn't just giving us love. He is love. And so as he gives himself to us, lives in us, then we get to share in the joy and love of God with each other and share that. But here's, here's the problem for most of us. We struggle in our relationships with so much hurt and grief and pain that sometimes we, we don't believe that God actually created us to know joy and love in relationships. This morning, we're going to look at basically one verse, John 13. So if you have your Bibles or a phone or a way to get there, we're going to go to John 13. We're going to look at one verse, and maybe you're familiar with this passage, maybe you're not, maybe you're not familiar with the Bible at all. And so let me just set the background for you. In John chapter 13, this is the, what most people believe is the last night of Jesus' life. It is the, the night when he's going to share the Passover meal with his disciples and walk out of that room, go to the garden and pray, and then he's going to be executed the next morning, crucified. He's going to be murdered 
And this is the night before he's with his disciples. He's about to wash their feet. And, and one of the most incredible displays of the God of all creation, like being near, not just in serving us, but being near. And this, is, this verse describes what's all happening inside of Jesus' heart and mind before all this takes place. We're going to learn some things about relationships today that I think God desperately needs us to not only know intellectually, but to embrace in our hearts. Or for most of us, we're going to give up on relationships sometime in this life. It's just going to get too hard. My wife and I were in Colorado, and we sat in a, a restaurant one day, and there was this couple sitting over in the corner, um, two couples actually. This was amazing. One was, they were both older than we are. We're old. We're 59, so I don't know where you fall in the middle of that. Some of you are 70s, and you're like, you're young. And some of you are 20, you're like, you're ancient. So I get it. We land in the middle of those weird places. But we were looking at two couples that were older than us, one probably in their 70s, and they were in this restaurant way before we got there and way after we got there, and for about two hours, they didn't say a word to each other. Now, I know sometimes those of you that like each other, you're like, that's really cool. We can be together for two hours and not say a word, and it's awesome. Sometimes. This wasn't one of those moments for them, I could tell. This is one of those moments when this was two hours, and this was probably most of their life. They didn't talk to each other much. They didn't look at each other much. They didn't have much to say. They got up and left, walked, and it was just, you could just see it in their relationship. It was just cold. The couple sitting next to them, also in their 70s, couldn't keep their hands off each other. Like, there was a part of me that was like, get a room. You know, that was going through my head, 70-year-olds. And, and they talked to each other, and then there was moments of silence for 10, 15 minutes, but there was just a different thing going on there. Hear me when I say this. Listen, you don't grow into loving relationships when there's a lot of pain in relationships. Like at some point in time, you will, you will, your heart and your head and eventually your body will exit them if you don't believe that there's actually something good that God has in them except pain. So hear this today as we jump into this. God desperately needs you to hear these things so that you can experience the joy and love he created you for in relationships. John chapter 13, verse 1 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that this hour had come to depart out of the world to his Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The Son of God, our King, was fully human, fully God. Fully human, fully God. And in, in this moment, he was ex- about to experience some truths of relationships that, that we all get to experience in this broken world because he was human. Here's the, kind of the overarching truth we're going to walk out today, and that's this, that all relationships, all of them, this isn't unique to you, this isn't unique to me, this isn't unique to Jesus, this is all of them. All relationships pursuing the love of Jesus. And I say that qualified If you're pursuing the love of Jesus in your life, you're going to experience joy in your relationships and you're going to experience grief, all of them. And you need to hear that because some of us us believe if I pursue relationships in the love of Jesus, then there's never going to be pain. And you need to hear this. Jesus loved perfectly. There was not another soul, another human that walked the face of this earth that loved better than Jesus. And he knows what it's like to experience grief in his relationships. 
And so if there's, if there's this thought in your head, man, if I could just do this better with my wife, then we wouldn't experience this pain. If I could do this better with my kids or my friend, my boss, listen, some of the grief we experience, yes, is self-inflicted gunshot wounds to our feet because of our sin, yes. But some of it you experience is because we live in a broken world, as we're going to see. You will experience grief in your relationships, pursuing the love of Jesus, but only place you will experience joy in your relationships is pursuing the love of Jesus. And joy in the midst of grief. Joy in the very middle of grief. Matter of fact, I would say this, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit loving as Jesus loves, you're going to intensify the grief you experience, and you're going to intensify the joy you experience. Let's unpack that for a little bit. We're going we're to begin by looking at the grief first. It says in verse 1, Now having loved his own who are in this world, he loved them to the end. In his perfect holy love, there was joy, there was grief. And he first experienced grief because these disciples were his friends. And he had relationships with these guys more than just his teachers. You've been in maybe a class before and, and you really didn't have relationship with people you were. This wasn't what Jesus was doing with his disciples. They weren't just like pupils. They weren't just students. At some point in time, he started saying this to them, I call you friends. And so something changed in the relationship somewhere along the way from just a rabbi with, with students to, to a rabbi with friends to a teacher with friends to listen to God, the Son of Man, with friends. And just think with me a minute if you know the story of any of the Gospels of, of, the, of the pain Jesus just experienced with, with these 11, these 12 who were here. Think about some of the experiences he's, he's knowing in his mind that Judas is stealing money from the, from the money bag that they were collecting all the time. How many times did Peter tell him something and then actually do the opposite, right? How many times, you remember the story of James and John where their mom walked up with them and said, hey, I want my sons to sit at the right hand of the father. And then the all 12 get in an argument about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, like little kids arguing over who's going to sit closest to dad. I mean, if you go back and look through the gospels, there's moments after moments after moments where Jesus is grieved. Think about where he's with Lazarus his death. And he's with Mary and Martha, and, and Jesus weeps, not because Lazarus is dead, but because of how everybody reacted to Lazarus' death. And there was grief in the relationships that Jesus walked in in the middle of this earth. Here's the second truth I want you to hear, that all relationships pursuing the love of Jesus will, will have pain. We'll just have pain. You can't avoid this in your life. Really, the only way you can avoid pain in relationships in this life is to have no relationships that matter. And Micah can tell you this, and any of you that, that care for people, shepherd people in the body of Christ in any sort of capacity, that's a whole nother level of pain for when people have no meaningful relationships in their life. And I sit down as a pastor with people about and talk about that all the time. They're like, man, there's nobody in my life that cares for me. There's nobody in my life that I care for. I'm super lonely. And they live, they've somehow figured out how to live a life with no relationships that matter, thinking that somehow this will remove the pain from my life, and all they've done is entered into another kind of pain. So can I say this to you in a Debbie Downer moment of the sermon? Whether you have relationships or not, you're going to experience pain. So if your desire is, I'm going to live under a bridge and be a homeless guy and have no relationships, listen, there's pain there. And if you desire to enter into relationships the way God calls you in this life, there will be pain there. 
This gets better, I promise, but hang on. And you need to hear this truth because there is a lie permeating the body of Christ's head that says, if I do relationships right, they will not hurt. And Jesus did them right. Can we all agree on that? Yes? Jesus did them right, and he still hurt. I've hurt my wife more than any person on the face of this earth. She's not here this morning. We've been married 33 years quantitatively, there's nobody that I've hurt more on the face of this earth. And those of you that are married know what I'm talking about. Now, maybe not qualitatively, like as deep as some other people have hurt her, but I've hurt her deeply. I know. I know my sin. I know what I've done to her. But there's nobody that's hurt her more. We've been around each other for a long time, and if you just put a list on the wall of all the things I've done to hurt her, I win. And I love her the most. There's not, I don't wake up any morning thinking, today's going to be the day that I hurt her better than I ever have. And yet those days happen, don't they? The person you love the most, you, at the end of the day, you're thinking, what did I just do and what just happened and why, why? The closer we are to people that we love, the more, the more opportunity to hurt them, the more brokenness that just lives in us, even as God's restoring us into the image of Christ. Your neighbor down the street that you don't know, when, when they hurt you, it doesn't hurt that much. You're just like, whatever. But when your spouse pushes that, scratches that, hurts that, when your friend, your son, the pain's deeper. And it's not just because of proximity, it's because of love. And if the love of Jesus is flowing through you, even more. Back to verse 1. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew... Imagine being God for a moment and knowing everything. Can you imagine what would happen in this room right now if you could read everybody's minds? You know, one thing I know would be true, probably most of us wouldn't have any friends. Like if you knew everything that was going on in everybody's mind in here, most of us would be like, oh no. And we would be working so hard to keep our mind quiet, wouldn't it? And that sounds funny, but listen, Jesus knew all that. As he's sitting at the table with all these men, he knows what's going through their head. He knows what they're going to do in a few minutes. And, and that he knew, I'm not just talking about he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He, didn't, he wasn't just thinking about that in a few minutes that the 11, the 12 would abandon him. All of them in the garden. It's, it's more than that. I mean, he knew what was about to happen in this moment even further. He was about to depart out of this world. He was about to be taken and in front of these men, beaten and then executed and die. And listen, they didn't have any idea that the resurrection was coming, even though Jesus had told them many times. Because when Jesus died, they thought, this is it. This is over. Everything we've been being taught for the last three and a half years is done. And what Jesus knew was this. That his death was going to lead to something greater, but he also knew this, in the disciples' minds for a little while, that death was just going to lead them to believe this is done, and it was just going to be full of pain and grief. Here's the third truth I want you to hear about relationships, that pursuing the love of Jesus, all relationships at some point in time are going to end. All of them. My dad is 92 years old, my mom is 86 years old, they've been married for 67 years, I think. And listen, their relationship will end one day. Now, when you're married and you're like 26, you don't think about those things. 
When you're married and you're 59, you start thinking about those things. That's all my dad thinks about at 92. And part of it's really good. He's like, man, I'm ready to go see Jesus. And part of it's like, this is all I've known for 67 years. That's not the only way relationships end. I'm a father of two sons that are now 26 and 24, 23. They're both married now. And and you know how those relationships have changed? I mean, they haven't ended. But listen, I've married off both my boys as a pastor and sent them out of my house. They have their own families now. I completely offended a lady the other day in our church, which isn't anything new. But she walked up to me and she said, isn't it so exciting you have two daughters in your family now? And I was like, well, yes, because when they're there, our house smells so much better. Because I grew up with two boys that the house just smelled like feet and cheese all the time. It just was boys, right? But they don't live here, and even if they did, my point is this. One lives in Atlanta, the other lives in Texas. But even if they did live here, they've started their own families. And that's the way God said it was supposed to be. Genesis, he said, you will leave. Hear this, leave. Hear it, leave and cleave. Now, His parents were like, no, you're going to stay here forever. No, leave and cleave. You're either going to send your kids out or they're going to leave. Can I say that to you, parents? You're either going to send them out one day, just like we send missionaries out up here, pray over people, and what do you do if you love them? There's tears, right? And those relationships change as you send people off to Nepal or you send people off to North County to start a church or to Kentucky or wherever it is. You can stay friends, but it's, those relationships are different. I've had people in relationships with me, not in good ways, you know, betrayal, hurt, broken relationships. I've had relationships in because people just got jobs and moved. That's happened in here, hasn't it, in the last couple of years? Somebody that you were close to and doesn't live here anymore, and you say things to each other like, man, we're going to stay friends, and it just changes, doesn't it? There's that one or two people in your life that have moved that you're friends with, but the majority, when they move, it, it just changes. Hear me when I say this. Whether it's death or you're sending your kids out, all relationships change, and at some point, at some point, they're all going to end. And if you don't live in the reality of this life, that relationships have a purpose and a point, and they can bring us joy in Christ. If your thought is, man, the best thing that's ever going to happen in the life is these relationships that I have, and you start holding on to them like this. When your kids are sent out of your house, parents, listen, you will be crushed. You will grieve when they leave no matter what if you love them. I can tell you that as a dad. But there's a difference between the crushing blow of of something leaving you that was really the, the joy was in the relationship, not in the Lord in the relationship. And you need to hear this today. The enemy's going to whisper into your ear and tell you, listen, if you do this right, these will never end. And you need to hear this. The best relationship you'll ever have on this earth, even if you're married for 67 years like my parents, will end. They just will. When that soul-wrecking deep grief comes, man, there's got to be a place for joy that's deeper than the grief. Back to verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew, now he knew the hour had come for him, and notice what it says, to depart out of this world, where? To the Father. 
He knows, he's, he knows not only are his disciples going to be grieved by what's going on, but he knows personally in his own heart where he's headed is to someplace better. He's going back to be fully reunited with God the Father. From maternity, they've been one, sharing perfect joy and love, and now he's about to put off this human flesh and go back and join completely united into the presence of his Father. In the midst of, of great grief in this moment, I think Jesus knew great joy because of his unity with his Father. Psalm 1611, which I'm going to get to at the very end of this sermon, tells us that there is fullness of joy in your presence. There's fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't say he just gives us joy. It says in his presence. That's why you can walk in here and, and in a corporate worship setting and, and have chaos going on in your life and, and worship can be happening. And somewhere in the middle of worship, like the chaos doesn't change. Whatever's going on in your life that you've got to face this afternoon or tomorrow is still happening. But something changes inside your heart and inside your countenance as joy starts to happen in you because of what? It's not because you're singing songs because it didn't happen in the first song, maybe. You were, you were mouthing words. But then all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord overtook you who lives in you, and you started realizing, man, I, I, the Lord's with me. And in the middle of this moment, while you were worshiping the Lord, something changed. And I, I see it all the time in corporate worship settings where, where this happens. People are looking at the screen, they're mouthing words, and all of a sudden they realize the Lord's with them, and their eyes go to the ground, usually. And there's this really solemn moment where people are starting to ponder their sin and their life and the chaos in this world. And then the gospel overtakes their heart and says, you're my son and I'm with you. And maybe it's because we're singing it or maybe because you start to preach it to yourself in the middle of your soul. Or maybe it's the Holy Spirit who says, hey daughter, I'm with you. And then all of a sudden your eyes go from here back up here and, and nothing out here changes but something in here did. The joy of the Lord. In the middle of crazy grief, in the middle of crazy chaos, because of the presence of the Lord in us, with us. Here's the fourth truth. All relationships pursuing the love of Jesus can know great joy, even in the midst of grief. Now here's the question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because for some of you, you're sitting in the room right now, and, and that, that whole thing is just really anchored on these last... One, two, three, four, five words. Even in the midst of grief is where you're living. And the thought of joy in the midst of grief right now is just like, yeah. Jesus wins, yay. There's not a ton of joy inside your heart. And listen, and I'm not talking about cheerleader joy. You know what I'm talking about? That thing, like we want to do when we go, we're like, Why, where does that girl so happy all the time for? I'm not talking about cheerleader joy. I'm not talking about, man, I just bought a new car joy. Or I got a new toy, or I got some new shoes, or I got a new purse, or I got a new phone, Joy. You know what that's like when you get the new thing and you open the box up? You know why I love Apple products? Those of you that use Android, sorry, not really. But when you open up an Apple product, man, just opening the box is joyful, isn't it? You're like, this box is cool. They package their stuff to give you joy for a moment. But listen, your phone gets old, doesn't it? And you look at somebody else's phone, you have phone jealousy. Oh, now their phone's like the size of a shoe. Gosh, look at my little phone. We get happiness over a toy for a moment, but listen, God's talking about giving you joy. And for most of us, we, we're just not really sure what that is. Let me tell you what it is. Biblically, it's, 
internal and it gets expressed externally. It's eternal, not based on your circumstances. It, it changes who we are, but it comes from the very presence of God because He is joy. It gives us shalom, which is the peace of God, this, this completeness that we don't find any place else, but we're looking for in every place else. That's joy. God promises that in His presence there's a joy that you and I can know even in the midst of grief. And the way that He promises this joy is in the midst of relationship with Him, in the midst of His presence. And this gets even better. He says that we can know this joy as we encounter His presence through one another. But man, that's scary because of everything I said in the first three truths. There's pain in relationships. There's deep pain. They all end. And so because of that, we're like, man, is the joy worth the pain? 25 years ago, we moved to St. Louis. I was talking to the worship team back here. 25 years ago, we moved to St. Louis, left all of the relationships that I knew in Texas as a 33-year-old, as moved here. So I've been here for 25 years. 25 years later, man, I have friends here now that, for, that I've known for 25 years. I have some friends that I've known in Texas for 40 years, too. Two that I'm still friends with. But I have a couple of friends here that I've known for 25 years. Five years ago, the church that we planted over in O'Fallon, Missouri, we, we got sent out of to another church in St. Charles, Missouri that we actually helped plant. And now I'm, I'm not the lead pastor there, but I'm one of the pastors there that helps raise up and send out people. And so we had to start all over again in relationships. Can I just say this to you? When you start relationships all over again, that's hard. especially at 54. And there's a part of you that's like, man, I'm just going to be a worker. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to work. I'm going to love people, but I'm, I don't know how much I'm really going to let them love me because that just hurts. And you know what I was missing out on the first couple of years as I walked into this new body of Christ? The joy of those relationships that can only be given through the person of Christ as he lives in one person living with another intimately. Like being a worker, there's some sense of happiness in that, doing the things of Christ, but joy, don't miss this, comes in relationship with him and with others. Is it worth it? I remember uh, about 20 years ago when I had this a year of just deep... Uh, grief. We had some people die. I had a, a person on our staff that I was really close to that, that uh, we had to do church discipline with, and in the middle of that whole situation, didn't repent and, and left pretty angry, pretty bitter. Hurt a lot of people in the body on his way out. So had a death, had a staff member leave, had another person I was really close to just move. All happened in the same year. And I remember that year just like for the first time in my life, God was trying to teach me how to grieve. There's a word in the Bible called lament. I saw you guys, I was looking through your sermon series, and I saw the series you guys did on lament. There's a whole book in your Bible called Lamentations. Who, who knew, right? And you know what the book's about? Grieving. And you know what the whole story of that book is? When you take your grief to the Lord, watch, mercy comes, the verse you read up here, and in that mercy comes joy because we get the presence of the Lord. That's the whole story of Lamentations. Most of us, though, in our grief, 
Instead of taking it to the Lord, you know what we do? We kick our dog, we go watch the Cardinals, we go eat a meal. We go look at porn, we go pursue another relationship because grief needs to be comforted and we're not really sure that God's a good comforter. And so we go to food or things or cardinals or people or whatever it is, and we spend the majority of our life believing grief really is a horrible thing that we've just got to get through. And so we avoid pain, we avoid grief, and we just try to get on with it. At some point in time, about 10, 15 years ago, God grabbed me and said, I'm not going to let you get through this grief that way. And I remember I was out in the wild of of nature because I love being there and I was standing on the side of this mountain and I'm not a crier not super emotional person I have emotions we all have emotions I express them very vivaciously when I do but listen I'm just not a huge crier and I was standing on the side of this giant mountain and all of a sudden I was just weeping like one of those ugly cries you know what I'm talking about where like nature was awkwardly embarrassed for me like birds were like what is going on with that guy just snot coming out, that kind of thing. And it was in that moment that God said, listen, if you will bring your grief to me, like, it'll change everything. And in that moment, I listened that the pain of the death and my friend betraying me and that person moving didn't go away. That didn't go away. But I knew the presence of the Lord like I'd never known before in my life. A couple of years later, about 10 years later, a guy named Keith got cancer. I didn't know Keith real well, but I knew his wife really well. Keith was new to our church, new believer, been a believer about three years. He was about 10 years older than me. And uh, it went away like six months, man. Cancer went away. Six months later, came back. And this time with a vengeance. And he's laying in a hospital bed. They tell him they've got about two weeks to live. And we're, we're in this hospital, Mercy Hospital, right around the corner from here. And I'm, I'm with this whole family, and the whole family leaves, and they're about to send him home, put him on hospice, and I'm, I'm sitting there with Keith, just me and Keith, and, and it was one of the last moments that I talked to him while he was really conscious and could talk, and I looked at him and said, Keith, how, man, how, seriously, what's going on in your head? How are you doing? And I was just real honest with him. I was like, dude, you know you're going to die. How are you doing? And he, he said, John, Come here, you know, one of those moments, old man's going to give you wisdom, you know. So I, like, get up right next to him, and he grabs my hand, he pulls me in, and he said, I want you to tell my wife this and my kids this, because they're not going to believe me. I've told them a couple of times, but he said this. He said, I'm actually doing pretty good. I hurt like crazy. He said, the cancer hurts, but I'm doing pretty good. He said, I've never known the joy that I have right now in my entire life. Being married, having kids. All the things that I've experienced, I've never known joy like this. And I believe it's because the Lord's with me. In the middle of great grief, we can know joy. But I want you to hear this. It only comes through the presence of the Lord. Here's here's the last truth I need you to hear. It says, having... It was right before the feast of the Passover. We're about to share this great relational meal. Jesus knew his hour to come part of the world to his father. And then it says this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He's about to love them to the end by washing their feet and then getting out of there, going to the garden and praying and then going to a cross. Like he's about to die and he's like, man, he's, he's, I always looked at this like, man, I'm going to give you this great example. And it is, but way more than an example. He's about to get down and actually love the ones who are about to abandon him. 
Not just as an example, but to say to them when they, when they someday are living in the middle of the body of Christ themselves and they have people walk out on them, he's going to say to them, listen, you don't stop loving people just because they hurt you. Can, can we learn that from Jesus this morning? You don't stop loving people because they cause pain. If we did, you'd never love anyone. Jesus wouldn't love you. But thank God he doesn't stop loving us because... Our hearts get unfaithful for a moment as we just sang a minute ago. He remains faithful. This last truth, the only relationship that gives us joy is with Jesus and his perfect love. And it's not just this way, but we get to experience that in relationships this way. And I need you to hear me say this as we get ready to close. For many of us, we want relationships, but we don't really want relationships that are going to take us to Jesus. We don't want people that are going to like actually speak to truth to us when we're believing lies. We don't want, we don't want people that are actually going to take us into the, the presence of the Lord in prayer or the Word when I'm actually like wrestling with things that are leading me to do dumb, sinful things. We don't want people to go on mission with us. We just want people to keep us company. And can I say that? Some of you are missing out on the joy of the Lord because the relationships you have in your life aren't taking you into the presence of Jesus. When was the last time your friend said, hey, let's just pray? When was the last time your friend said, hey, I know you don't want to pray, I'm praying for you? When was the last time your friend sent you a text that was just a verse? Not to try to make lemonade out of lemon, but just to say, hey, you know what, I'm with you. God's with you. Jesus washed their feet, not because he was giving them an example. He was actually being the presence of God in the middle of his disciples' life, in the middle of a time that was about to be super full of grief for them. And for some of us, we're going to miss out on the joy of the Lord because we're going to miss out on relationships here because our mind says it's too much pain and then we're going to miss out on the joy. Hebrews 12, 15 says it this way. Don't let any miss out on the grace of God. Don't cause any to miss the grace of God and, and struggle and turmoil. He says this is why, because a bitter root will go down and spring up and defile many. Like the difference between the two couples, the one full of bitterness that I saw in Colorado and the other full of love, was one was full of bitterness, the other wasn't. And in the economy of God, when joy and grace wash over our grief, no bitterness. When joy and grief don't wash over your relationships, bitterness. One, because of the presence of the Lord. The other, because we've pulled away from presence in relationships. Listen to Psalm 1611 as we close. You make known to me the path of life. And God has made known to us the path of life. Through Christ, our brokenness that, that causes us to pursue joy and love in all sorts of places except Him gets restored, right? And the whole point of salvation was to restore us into the presence of the Lord so that we could look at the end of the verse 11. Know the presence of the Lord and the fullness of His joy.
that's the whole point of salvation. The whole point of salvation is so that God can restore his presence to us, which was separated by our sin. And not just to forgive you, but to actually give you joy. In forgiveness comes the joy. Without forgiveness, there is no joy, but it's not just forgiveness. It's forgiveness so you can experience the very joy of the presence of the Lord. This morning, we're going to pray as we continue to worship. And I just want to lead us in in a couple of thoughts of prayer here as as we close this morning. So join me as we pray first. Will you just be honest this morning? Will you just be honest with the Lord and if if this morning there's pain in your relationships, will you just let Him know? Maybe right now your relationships are in a beautiful place. Thank Him for that. If there's pain, if there's grief in any relationship this morning, just let Him know. Tell Him honestly so that He can pour grace on it. His presence. second thing I just want to encourage you is be honest in your sin. You pulled away from him or pulled away from others and you've started looking for joy in, in a ton of other places but him. You started trying to find relief from the pain in, in places that you know are counterfeit places of joy, counterfeit places of comfort than Would you just confess your sin to him this morning? His grace is bigger than the shame you feel right now. Let him pour his grace on you, his mercy. Last thing, just be honest in your need right now. He's the only one that can meet them in the midst of your your grief. But it's his very presence that brings us joy and comfort. He doesn't promise always to remove the pain, but he promises to bring joy in the middle of our grief. Let his presence do that this morning. God, thank you for your presence through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that Jesus said it is better when I go away because of the Spirit that will live inside of those that are mine and and He will be with millions of people on this earth. We couldn't even imagine that. Those 12 couldn't imagine that, that your presence could actually be with millions and billions of people at one time, comforting and bringing joy through your presence. They could only see in that moment that Jesus was leaving. But God, thank you that you came through your Spirit, through Jesus' work. Thank you that your spirit is with us. Comfort this morning, Holy Spirit. Bring peace and fulfill the promise of Psalm 1611 that in your presence there is fullness of joy. I pray this in your name, Jesus.